0: Hello and welcome to the 129th episode of the Geek Rex podcast. I am Hannah. Tonight I'll be joined by Shane hey. and Cal. Hello. To talk Ghostbusters. Yay, Ghostbusters. Hi. Hi. <laughs> All right. So before we kind of get into specifics, we'll do what we always do, which is overall thoughts. Did you like it? Did you dislike it? Were you mixed? How'd you guys feel?
1: I liked it overall. Um, it's uh, it's it's got it's own, it's got plenty of problems, but I think all of them, as I'm sure we'll get into later, tie more into like the modern blockbuster environment and like what we expect of a summer movie these days than um, really any any other issues that we might have. Um, so yeah, I mean, I liked it. It's it's got plenty of problems, but I liked it.
2: Yeah, uh, being somebody that has like, zero attachment to uh, the original two films, except for, like, uh, wisps of memories of me being, like, 13 and Ghostbusters 2 coming on HBO all the time and being able to see it that way. Uh, Yeah, I wasn't, I didn't really know what to expect, but I I wanted to at least see it so I could say I spent money on it, and that way the, the people who are trying to keep it down Didn't have too much of an effect, but uh, yeah, uh, I I loved it. If it weren't for Captain America Civil War, I'd call it the best movie of the summer.
0: Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate and weird when a franchise reboot becomes this like social battle (laughs) where you feel like you have to put money into it to support it, but it kind of did. And I was the same way. I actually saw it um, at a critic screening, so I plan on seeing it again just so I can like actually spend my own money on a ticket. But I was really impressed. I think I wasn't necessarily expecting much. And it definitely wasn't like an intellectual sleep cerebral movie, but it was really funny and really weird, I thought. And I thought it did a really good job of just kind of brushing aside the nonsense, basically. Um so I definitely appreciated that. Did you guys have like a favorite actor, favorite player?
1: Kate McKinnon, I think is gonna be a lot of people's answers to that. yeah uh i I think you No, this was a different conversation on facebook you weren't in this one where i was raving about kate mckinnon but uh yeah i mean in a world where we knew what to do with like a big screen comedian because most big screen comedies just aren't very good um she would this would have been like just the birth of a superstar uh she just stole every second of every scene she was in for me
2: I I have to agree, and uh, for lack of uh, just saying the same thing over and over again, I'll also go with uh, Chris Hemsworth as being one of my favorites from it. Um, This is two movies now, two comedy movies, where his scenes definitely stand out. And I I really wish, as I've seen a lot of people saying on Twitter, he, he would stop getting action roles and start getting more comedy roles, too.
0: Yeah, I was surprised at how much I liked him in this because... Thor just, like, really doesn't do it for me, I've got to say. So he was uh, he was really funny in this. And, yeah, I mean, I agree with your comments, Cal. And I've, I've liked all of the uh, tweets and memes and everything else about Kate McKinnon's character in this movie and how she's, like, shaking up everyone's Kinsey scale and everything else uh, pretty much perfectly encapsulates it. And I also really liked the um, kind of sniveling little bad guy. I, d- I don't know that guy's name, but... Uh, Rowan? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was,
2: that's, that's probably my biggest problem with movies that I, it, that guy is utterly forgettable, but I mean, it's kind of like Cal was saying, this movie's problems are the problems of a lot of blockbusters, and how many times have we talked about a Marvel movie having a forgettable film so.
0: See, he was forgettable, but to me, he was also, like, the perfect portrayal for this, like, kind of whining man-baby who was crying oh, yeah. about this movie, you know? And I think that was intentional.
1: Yeah, he's he's an act, he's one of those actors that I see a lot in like just little comedy shows. He was in uh, Other Space, which was a uh, Ghostbusters director Paul Feig's um short-lived TV series uh that I think is actually very much worth uh seeking out. Um you know, he's been in Veep, The League, Inside Amy Schumer, Kroll show. Like he's one of those kind of indie comedians who's just in everything. And so seeing him get a nice big role was neat, but, um, uh, and I liked his performance. There just was not much to it. And then he was just replaced by Chris Hemsworth and then, uh, a CGI and that was, that was all there was to it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was definitely pretty light on plot as far as the villain goes. That's for sure. So Cal, I actually wanted to ask you a question. I already know pretty much how you're going to respond, but, I had never really seen these people that like hate this movie, even though they haven't seen it yet, just because it exists until I saw that guy kind of commenting on your posts. <laughs> and he said something about how this movie is sexist to men. What do you guys think about that?
1: Uh, that's one of those, that's one of those like buzzwordy, like they know that sexism is ostensibly bad and so they're just going to use that but like without any sort of understanding of kind of what that means like uh, the way that he was using it in that post was basically um, from what I remember like the two major male characters are like shitty but like they're shitty and very like they have they have their own character uh, arcs they have their own agency Uh, You know, I mean, even Kevin, as dull as he is, gets to make his own decisions that ends up screwing him. But until he gets possessed, like, that is, like, he decides what happens. And uh, the villain, Rowan, was the same way. Like, I think that what he meant by that, to me, was just, like, we aren't in everything and we aren't the best at everything. And, I mean, like, I get that, going from having going from like being relentlessly pandered to, to just being like a normal member of the audience feels like discrimination, but it really isn't. Um, and it's just dumb. Uh, it's, 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 dumb to pretend like it is. I think.
2: Uh, I'm just glad that, uh, they haven't been calling it like people like to do with racism, uh, reverse sexism. Uh, instead they've been calling it sexism against men, but, uh, no, it, I, I think it's, anything that they could perceive as sexism against men is just like tongue in cheek joking about them. And I think they understand that to an extent, but they misinterpret it as being, oh, well, it's not a joke. Like they they really think this. And it, it's, it's all just like nods to the fact that we live in a society that doesn't deem women as capable of doing things like busting ghosts and things like that. And yeah, it, it like Cal said, it's it's people being uncomfortable with being in positions they haven't had to be in before when they see a movie.
0: Yeah, I mean they they very clearly tongue in cheek kind of made Hemsworth the object of desire, right? And they did that. And really, it's he, only one
2: of them that desires, and it's not like all four yeah. of them are, are following him.
0: You're right. Yeah, I mean he's just the object of desire for one person on the team, basically, which is literally the role pretty much every female plays in any major blockbuster ever like they're kind of incompetent they make bad choices they get in trouble they get saved and you know people want to sleep with them so the kind of outcry that this is such a one-dimensional or bad or lame character is just it's so proving the point it's so hilarious like i can't even i can't even grasp it
1: yeah it's- It's like, um, they did, uh, a couple years ago, they did a um, a gender-flipped reading, like, script read of American Pie, just on some, like, panel somewhere. And the male actors who had been playing, you know, were playing the female roles in the script read, in the end, they were like, this was really boring. Like, I didn't have anything cool to do. There was nothing interesting about my character. And the women who got to play the male roles were like, fucking, that's the point. And so, like, someone like this guy on my wall, on my (laughs) Facebook wall, if you had an iota of, like, self-consciousness, then literally having, because these were just gender-swapped roles from the, basically, uh, Kevin especially, was just a gender-flopped version of, a gender flipped version of um, Annie Pox, basically, from the original series, and... So the fact that he thinks it's sexist, that he is just in basically her role, should say something to him. It won't and didn't, but it
0: should. Well, and in fairness, this guy, you know, we keep picking on this guy on your wall only because he's the only like person I've actually had a conversation with. Because everyone else I've heard complaining about this movie is just some crazy fool on Twitter who got retweeted a bunch of times for saying something dumb. But this guy hadn't even actually seen the movie, I don't think. He just kind of said he heard it was sexist. And I think that's mostly what's happening is like a couple of people are reading synopsises or they're reading reviews of the film and they're deciding what it is without actually seeing it, probably.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, well, it's just like with uh, Mad Max Fury Road last year. You know, you have uh, like one or two people from this group who see the movie and are very vocal about criticizing the gender roles that, that they don't like when it comes to how men are portrayed and no one else sees it. They all just carry on with those, with those criticisms like as though they have seen it. Mm-hmm. And that was what this was. I thought it was just, you know, like he, he hadn't seen it, but he talked to someone who may or may not have seen it, you know, as, as he, as he said, like he was going off of like anonymous IMDB reviews posted days before the movie came out. like.
0: <laughs> but, Cal, haven't you ever heard of advanced screenings? That's obviously where everyone on IMDb saw it.
2: <laughs> well, and they were all claiming they had had the script for months, and that that script is definitely exactly how the movie was going to turn out.
1: Yeah, there, there's definitely no improv in these movies at all.
0: No, definitely not. Especially not when they're like reading online comments, which was probably the best part of the movie. That was great. Um,
2: yeah, I felt like that was almost something that was shoehorned in with like reshoots or something. Like they saw the reaction to the some of the trailers or something, and they went back and shot that scene.
1: Probably. Uh, I, I read in, read in an interview they had initially had something in something there, like she, you know, it was going to be like negative uh, negative public reaction. But the exact language, like, ain't no bitches going to bust no ghosts, like, that that almost came <laughs> verbatim from a Ghostbusters oh, uh, yeah. I,
2: I'm sure it was originally just something saying how they, they didn't believe it, like, they thought whatever their footage was was fake or something like that, But um, like most YouTube comments. But um, I, I think a lot of it stems, a lot of this backlash seems to stem from, for some reason, this obsession so many people from the 80s and a little bit in the 90s too, uh, they, they just, they they have this obsession with their childhood and their childhood being quote-unquote quote ruined by the existence of a movie. And it, it's something I just really do not understand. I don't understand this idea that like, I don't think I've ever loved any bit of pop culture so much that a new movie of it, even if I didn't enjoy it, would ruin my love of the property itself.
0: Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything where I thought, Wow, that really ruined it. I mean, like, there's been times when I've been disappointed in the continuation of a franchise. Like, Jurassic World could have been a lot better, I thought, but that doesn't ruin the original for me at all.
2: Well, yeah, and Jurassic Park, I would still consider it, like, in my top five favorite movies of all time, and and Jurassic World doesn't do anything to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, Prometheus to Alien, uh, Jurassic World to Jurassic Park, like, the the reality of these never-ending franchises that were trying to develop these days is that a lot of them are going to hit a period of just extreme shit and i feel like it's just with these um with a lot of these people it's just entitlement run amok like it's just this idea that like you know i mean you need it doesn't matter if it's good it matters if it's accurate that's the important thing like they can survive a shitty movie or a shitty uh, comic or a shitty, you know, whatever, with their love intact. Uh, that's not a problem. But if they, if the thing is changed, if it's no longer what they recognized uh, initially, often in a very surface level way, like a, a gender swap, for example, or a race swap, uh, as 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 we've seen, kind of blow up in the media before. If it's no longer what they recognize. That's what gets their goat. It's not about the quality of the story. Jurassic World was shit, but yeah, it doesn't affect Jurassic Park because it was very recognizably, uh, indeed, to its own detriment, a Jurassic Park movie. Whereas this, you know, I mean, uh, like, where was like, where was you know, Bill Murray negging, you know, negging uh, innocent women? Like, you know, like that's 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 what they want out of this. They don't care if it's good. Ghostbusters 2 is a piece of shit. Ghostbusters 2 is awful. But it's accurate. It's familiar and it's comfortable.
2: I just love how one of the things they hated on the most was female Slimer, even though that is the most 80s thing in the entire movie. Just like slapping a wig on a character and saying, yeah, it's the female version of it now. That's like the most 80s thing in there.
0: That was also like literally five seconds of the movie. I know. (laughs) I think what you see in the trailer is pretty much the extent of female slimer.
1: It was a th- it was a throwaway guy. It was a visual joke about slimer going and getting a family and that's it. Yeah. Literally nothing else to it.
0: Yeah, my favorite character was Female Slimer because she really (laughs) represented strong women in this film. No, I mean, come on. It's so stupid. You mentioned Bill Murray, which I kind of wanted to ask about, in general, how you guys feel about all of the callbacks and guest appearances they had in this one. Did it do the film service, a disservice?
2: I wish it hadn't been so beholden to them, but at the end of the day, I didn't really mind probably any of them. Um, There may be one get pointed out as we talked about it that I would agree with that yeah I, I felt like it shouldn't have been so beholden to him but I did really love like Dan Aykroyd's cameo and stuff like that especially
1: yeah Bill Murray um, yeah, I mean I, I'll always take some more Bill Murray in my movies um, but uh, yeah it was, it was too beholden you know there were too many times when it stopped dead to kind of just say like oh here's this thing that you used to love see nothing's changed and uh, it was kind of I feel like a lot of that was done to pander to an audience before they realized that that audience just hated them relentlessly. (laughs) But I also think that part of it, like the Bill Murray stuff, especially was also indicative of some of the problems that I did have with the movie. Like um, they straight up murder Bill Murray and the movie forgets that completely. Like,
2: Kristen dragged <laughs> off to the mayor's office, and that supersedes a murder investigation.
1: I yeah, like, <laughs> and, like there's just all sorts of just bizarre, you know, like just bizarre plot first pacing and plot first storytelling there. That um, you know, like, hey, can we can we take a moment, slow down, and just be like, Kristen Wig just killed an old, like, an elderly person, for <laughs> no reason, and that's never gonna come up again.
0: So to the to the Bill Murray point, and I'm sure you guys have probably read this article, but I think I think that I actually kind of thought it was pretty funny because prior to the movie coming out, I'd been seeing these articles about how, you know, how they'd wanted to reboot Ghostbusters before and all the roadblocks that they had on the way to doing that and how they had at one point, I think, gotten most of them to agree to do it but Bill Murray said that the only way he would show up in the film is if they killed his character within like the first 10 minutes. He said that was the only way that he would do the movie. And I think they like agreed to it, but then something else happened. It got derailed. So I took that as like the Bill Murray demand being met, like, okay, I'll be in the movie, not as a ghostbuster. And I still want to be killed in the first 10 minutes or whatever, if my parents.
1: Yeah. I mean, almost certainly. I just, If you're going to kill, like, have the characters, like the main characters, be active participants in his death, like that does need to come up again.
0: (laughs) True, that's fair, and you know I don't disagree about the, the plot and the pacing. Like, I think for me, I enjoyed it enough to overlook some of the weird stuff that happened, and I also think, I think this movie got cut a lot. On the editing floor in a way that made it feel really disjointed, but in a way that maybe if they hadn't done it, it would have been worse, if that makes any sense. Because I think Kyle and I were talking about this as soon as we got out of the movie. Like a lot of comedies do this thing where, you know, people are joining and getting together and fighting something, and then they have some kind of interpersonal drama or conflict that splits them up and then they have to reunite again at the end for whatever thing that's going on. And it seemed like the movie did that but then they cut it because so you had this whole thing where after they get kind of fake arrested, Kristen Wiig is like at home on her bed watching the news or something and like reading that book and then the rest yeah. of the ghostbusters are back at the lab and she gets possessed and all this stuff happens and they're like split from there forward until the end where they kind of reunite
2: and, and she suddenly has her uniform and all that and stuff too and is able to find them and all that
0: yeah it was really and, jarring and i feel I, like i, I noticed a big that fight and, or something
2: yeah i noticed it's, that and i felt like a lot of stuff or maybe not even a lot maybe like one or two scenes got cut with the villain because a lot of the stuff with the villain felt cut off to me i don't know just something about it
1: Basically, yeah, everything with the plot just felt like they had taken out like four vital scenes at some point. And like that, like, you know, I mean, that doesn't really hurt the comedy and it doesn't hurt like a lot of the stuff about the movie. Like everything about the movie that worked has nothing to do with the plot. But yeah, I agree. Like they 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 definitely cut some stuff out. And because of that, like we see Kevin when he's possessed, or we see, not Kevin, Melissa McCarthy. We see her when she's possessed break one of the um, packs, right? One of the, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the packs, but um, one of their their weapons, basically. And that never comes up again. Like, none of them are weaponless at the end. You don't know how Kristen Wiig found them or why she was separated I don't have any idea why Kristen Wiig looking at that guy's like crayon drawings in her book like was like, oh shit, like this is what he's doing. Like none of that was clear, none of that at all. And that combined with, as you pointed out, some really jarring editing decisions uh, where they would basically just jump without any sort of like thematic match or match cut or visual or anything, just jump to, like, oh, this is what's happening at the villain's place. And it would just be, like, a machine power. I'm just like, oh, what? give us something here. Give us some visual cue that this jump's about to happen, or else it just looks insane.
2: Oh, the most and random jump I felt that, like, was for the point of a joke was the fucking cut to Ozzy Osbourne for no reason.
1: Oh, yeah, what was up with that?
2: And that was, was really just, weird it just, like, jumps to him, like, the scene's over, and then it just jumps to Ozzy Osbourne for two seconds.
0: Yeah, I figured that was some kind of inside joke. I just, like, didn't pick up. I thought oh, it was, it was about. Me. I
2: mean, I think it was because the ghost looked like a bat, and there's the whole thing about well, a yeah. bat, but, like, it was just really weirdly put in there.
1: Yeah, the the honestly, like, in addition to the kind of the third act action, the editing was my biggest problem with this. Like, the performances were great, as we've talked about, A lot. And I don't know uh, what you two thought, but I loved the ghost design for the most part. I thought they did a great job with
0: that. For sure. Yeah. Did you guys see this in 3D or standard?
2: Standard, but I heard 3D was really good.
0: Yeah. I caught it in 3D, and it, you know, usually 3D to me is like, not at all worth the extra money and sometimes just kind of annoying. But because of the way they had designed the ghosts and like the colors and the way things were kind of right up to the edge of the screen, I actually thought this is one of those few movies where I would recommend someone see it in 3D. Yeah,
1: I might check it out again. Uh, I live a little bit closer to, uh, to my movie theater now. And so, yeah, I might give that a shot because I've heard it from a number of people um, that the 3D was just really well handled here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it was definitely good. And yeah, to your point, Cal, I do think I do think the editing was probably the biggest problem of the film. But I also think it might have been with the script, like the initial script too. like it, it felt like a movie to me where the script was probably overly long and kind of bloated and kind of felt sluggish. And so they ended up just like chopping the hell out of it. And we ended up with a movie that at least was short and felt breezy, but was just really odd and kind of disconnected and had a lot of, like, logicals.
1: Yeah. And I mean, not only that, but that last action sequence, it wasn't character driven or kind of motivated in any way. Like, we had seen repeatedly Patty, Leslie Jones' character, who for the most part I liked quite a bit. Uh, But we'd seen her repeatedly kind of run away from ghosts, get freaked out in certain situations. But that last scene doesn't call back on that at all. Like, it doesn't have her overcome this. She just all of the sudden is doing it without any sort of uh, anything like that. Or Kristen Wigg's character, like, there's no point where she really has to um, you know, like publicly stake her you know, scientific reputation on the line and lose it before getting it back. You know, like They set up conflict very well with all of the characters, but they never paid them off. And that last action scene felt so generic to me. Like, even Kristen Wiig rescuing uh, Melissa McCarthy. Um, You know, Aaron diving into the void after Abby. Spoiler alert.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think you could spoil anything in this movie and nobody would care. Like, it's not a thing where the plot matters at all, in my opinion, but...
1: But, like, even that, because I guess we might have missed some fight, like, I don't give a shit if Aaron dives dives in after Abby because they haven't set that up. They haven't had Aaron abandon Abby at uh, some point in the movie. I
2: mean, they mention it that it happened before the movie started, and I guess it was the way they edited well enough where it called back to that. But, yeah, I I wonder if whatever, like, possible fight scene we missed might have helped strengthen that.
1: Yeah, it it just, it it felt like a script that was two thirds of like a pretty low key, like, uh, probably like middle budget, uh, middle budget, like horror comedy or action comedy. And then they threw on an extra like $75 million. And the, the writer was just like, Oh, fuck, I need to put some I need to put $75 million worth of stuff on here. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, I will say, I think one good call they made was it's pretty obvious that they had some kind of like dance number. You know, I mean, yes. they did. They showed it after the credits. They had that whole dance thing. And it was kind of strange that it that he like got everyone to take a position like they were going to dance and then never actually had them dance. Um, but I have to say, I'm pretty glad they saved that for the credits. I think it would have been probably a little bit too much in that you know, like we've already talked about, already, like, kind of bizarre and weird and unmotivated kind of third act.
1: Yeah, that, that's one of the, like, why would an angry loner nerd who has no, like, physical <laughs> fitness, like, why is he all of a sudden a dance choreographer? Like, it, the, the the last third of this, virtually every problem I have stems from the last third of the movie, and uh, it's it's all in the kind of the writing and editing, which I feel like is, a lot
2: of um, Leslie Jones's character, like being an expert on New York doesn't, I feel like a lot of that just, it, it gets mentioned and like, maybe it gets used once or twice. And like overall it's like, well, what was the point of bringing that up? Because you don't really use it to your advantage at all. Cause everything she has to say is about places they were already going to be going.
1: Yeah. She never realizes anything important or interesting at all. Uh, even with the Mercado, the, that building, like, they literally at some point like pulled out a book or like looked it up online. And I was like, okay, well, they just negated this person's entire thing, I guess. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I mean, I definitely think it's one of those movies where the, the strong points are in those like tiny little moments and exchanges between the actresses and like Kyle and I were both dying uh, in the scene where Kristen Wiggs trying to open the windows, like their doors <laughs> Like, she, <laughs> she's trying to pull it, and they're like, oh, she thinks that they're sliding doors. They're not. I don't know. There were a lot of little moments like that where I was just beside myself. It was so great. I,
2: I liked the it, jokes of, like, hearing noises they thought were, like, ominous, and then they really end up being other things. Yeah. Like, she. yeah, that same scene where she's like, oh, it's starting, and it was just a guy rolling a dumpster. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's a good point. Like, I mean, for all the problems that I have with the the story... It's really fucking funny. Like, it was, it is a really funny movie for most of, most of its runtime.
0: So where does this one rank for you in regards to the other Ghostbusters movies and in regards to, like, Paul Feig and his movies?
1: For me, it's middle of the road on both. Uh, I already said Ghostbusters 2, I think, is awful. And this is far, far, far superior to that. But it's not quite... I mean, like, Ghostbusters 1... Uh, the original is, still, you know, it's original, it's a little bit tighter, all of that. And with Paul Feig, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's better than The Heat by a considerable margin. But then you think about uh, uh, Bridesmaids and Spy, and it's probably like around that level. But I, I, I think that Bridesmaids particularly is probably like a little bit, uh, uh, again, like a little bit more coherent and a little bit funnier overall.
2: Yeah, once it's out on Blu-ray, I kind of want to do a double feature with it in the original Ghostbusters because I haven't really seen it that many times, like maybe twice in my whole life. And so I'd I kind of like to be able to compare them because at the moment, I, I think it's better than both the Ghostbusters movies, but that's mostly just because I have no attachment to the original two. And yeah, in terms of other movies from the same director, I would put Bridesmaids still as his best film, but I would put this right on par with Spies like second place.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm pretty much along the same lines as you, Shane. Uh, I actually really wanted to rewatch the original Ghostbusters after I saw this movie, which I feel like is a sign that you did something right with the franchise, probably. Because it's been so, so long since I've seen it. Actually, when I think about Ghostbusters, I think I mingle parts of both movies into, like, one big movie. I have trouble remembering which parts were from which. So I really do want to sit down and watch the first one again. I've heard the second one... Is just kind of a mess, um, so I'm a little bit less interested in that. Um, and as far as speak movies goes, I have not seen The Heat. I heard mixed it's things okay. about that one, and like- yeah, I think I think this to me is better than Spy, probably below bridesmaids.
1: Yeah, I think Paul Feig has is a TV director who's never really learned how to do how to handle like action and like kind of big screen stuff. And so Bridesmaids, you know, it plays to his strengths. It's a small character-driven comedy. And that's what he's really, really great at.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. So before we wrap up here, any final thoughts on the film?
1: So, uh, Hannah, when is our uh, all-female reboot of the Geek Rex podcast coming?
0: (laughs) We're going to have to hire a lot more females to take your place. Um, You know, we should do it. I should, like, get some friends and assign them roles for you guys. Like, find a Shane, (laughs) find a Cal, find a Harper, and find a Kyle. It would be especially fun casting Kyle's part. Um, And do, like, a Ghostbusters version of our podcast. That would be pretty great.
1: Yeah, that would. That would be fun.
0: It's my new goal for, for the year. It will be like my Christmas present to you guys.
1: <laughs> that's, a, that's a good anniversary episode uh, gimmick, I think.
0: You'll have to replace me with a guy, though, right? Oh, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, we all have to swap, so we'll have to find a guy to be me. Are you guys down for a sequel to Ghostbusters, and do you think it's going to happen?
2: I mean, I want to say I read on Friday that a Sony executive said it's almost definitely happening. Um I I don't see why it wouldn't at this point. Like, um, I I think it, I mean, second place, I mean, you got to consider what it was up against. You're up against a movie that has much more mass appeal with Secret Life of the Pets. A lot more little kids are going to want to go see that than Ghostbusters, even though there were a lot of little kids seeing Ghostbusters when I saw it. But yeah, in terms of a sequel, I really hoped for a sequel, it just does its own thing. Like... Yeah, there's a the little post-credits tag that's like, oh, well, we could do more stuff from the old, old Ghostbusters, but I, I really want it to be its own thing.
1: Yeah, if it's going to get one, you know, I mean, it very well might. I think it depends a lot on the staying power that it has and kind of how it does overseas. The thing is, is this, this made more money in its opening weekend than the original Ghostbusters did in its opening weekend, even adjusted for inflation. But it also costs like more than twice as much, again, adjusted for inflation. And so uh, it has such a higher bar to clear to get a sequel, which, again, like action comedies and horror comedies and just comedies in general don't make that much money. You know, People don't see them as uh, something you have to see on a big screen. And so, more than the gender thing, I think that's what's going to hurt it. Is they gave it a you know Marvel movie budget for uh, you know a hangover you know movie crowd. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just comedies just don't make you know like three hundred, four hundred, five hundred million dollars very often.
2: I, I think it'll. I think it'll do great on Blu-ray and DVD because uh, I think Bridesmaids like. As well as it probably did in theaters, I think Bridesmaids being on DVD and Blu-ray and then being on HBO and stuff like that is what caused it to become such the hit that it was. So I think, yeah, I think Home release is going to be really good for Ghostbusters, and I think that might be where it actually makes its money back.
0: Well, and the other thing you have with a property like Ghostbusters is I assume like toys and licensing rights and things like that also come into play i don't know if they're capitalizing on the toy market like they probably should i have no um, idea there are
2: toys but there was a big uh hubbub with the ghost bros because uh toys rs put all their new ghostbusters action figures on clearance and they were all like oh that's proof that the movie's bad but now they're not on clearance anymore but then yeah they brought back that, that fucking Ghostbusters juice that all those people were freaking out about for it, and they brought back... Uh, they made, like, marshmallow Twinkies and key lime Twinkies and stuff in, in celebration of it. So, yeah. they They licensed it more than... Really, Civil Wars is really the only other movie I've seen licensed more in food products than Ghostbusters.
0: What about Batman versus Superman? That was like oh, well, I mean, everywhere. in terms of summer movies. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: Definitely Batman versus Superman had a ton of stuff, too. But.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. I kind of hope it's the movie that has the kind of movie that has legs and continues to get decent weekends in a row long enough to keep it going. But, I mean, Cal, you're right. Like, I think Feig made some kind of comment like, this is the sort of movie where the expectations are so high. You basically have to make $450 million for it to have made sense to make it at all. And that's ridiculous. And it's going to be really tough. And I've basically put my career on the line for this one and I have no idea if it's going to work out. So. Well, I
1: I hope it does. And you know what? I mean, Paul Feig, I don't think this will hurt his career. I don't think this will hurt anyone's career to be honest. You know, reception has been pretty positive. You know, there's been at least one big breakout uh, star, Kate McKinnon. And um, even if it doesn't make its money back, Paul Feig has like four straight hits, three straight hits under his belt. Like, yeah, this is. He had probably had calling a lot of favors. He can't make another big budget movie, but that's okay. I don't think he's very good at that.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, so you heard it here first, or second, or third, or for the 50th time, but uh, we all agree this is absolutely a movie worth seeing. Ghostbusters is out in theaters now. It's a perfect, funny summer movie, and you should see it, if for no other reason than to hurt the feelings of the ghost bros, or bro ghosts, or whatever it was that Shane called them. Um, yeah, so check it out, definitely, and we'll be back on Geek Rex probably after San Diego Comic-Con, where we're headed this week. And I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about when we get back.